0: Open with me, if you would, in your Bibles to John chapter 12. We closed with this last week. We're going to open with it this week. week. Uh, John chapter 12, verse 24. We'll just read that one verse. John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat or grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And so we're talking about, thinking about the cross. What's the purpose of a cross? It's, uh, it's not just a pretty piece of jewelry and so forth. We know the purpose of the cross was to bring death. And it's very good at what it does. Nobody ever came down off of the cross alive. Now Jesus rose again from the dead, but he did die on the cross. The cross is is an instrument of capital punishment. That's what the cross is. And so we're doing a study now on the cross, and here we're looking at a grain of wheat. It could be the same for any grain. It doesn't have to just be wheat, but that, that thing, if you just left a, let's say you had a sack full of wheat grain, and you just left it sitting up in your barn in the sack, that's all it's ever gonna be. It'll be that sack of grain, that many seeds, however many in the bag, that they'll be there you know ten years from now, the same number. It probably will rot after a while and and be good for nothing. So there's a need for that particular grain. The whole purpose of God in that grain is eventually to bring forth a full healthy plant that bears fruit. Right? That's God's uh, vision or purpose for the grain that he created. And so that grain has to do something. It has to go in the cold, dark, damp earth, be covered over in a type of death or a burial, so to speak, and die. And there's a whole process there, and a lot of you probably know better than I do, of where, the, where the seed germinates. And it becomes, you know, the shell cracks open. and it It's buried under this cold, dark earth. And it, sometime later, it sprouts up, and here comes the process of life coming out of the death of that seed. That was God's intent all along. Ultimately, it wasn't just death, it was life out of the death. And it was fruitful life out of that death. So we're relating this to our our walk with the Lord. It's not just that we come to Jesus and, and give our life to Him. As so that we come and give our life to Jesus. We're born of His Spirit that we would die increasingly so, and that Christ would live in us, and our life would be fruitful. Mm-hmm. Fruitful. That glorifies the Lord. Amen? It glorifies the Lord. I have to keep in mind what is God's purpose of Christianity? What is God's purpose of saving people? Yes, it's to take us to heaven. Yes, He loves us and He doesn't want Amen to be He's not willing to, to perish but all come to repentance. We know this. But His purpose for our Christian life is that it would be fruitful. The fruit of the Spirit and also I would say fruit in, in other ways in the sense of bringing other people to Christ that would probably be probably simplify in those two things pretty quickly. Hudson Taylor, who we've talked a lot about in this study, is the founder of the, the China Inland Mission. He once said this, we know how the Lord Jesus became fruitful. And we're thinking about Jesus. How did he become fruitful? Not by bearing this cross merely, but by dying on it. It wasn't that he just drug it through the streets of Jerusalem. It wasn't even that he just drug it up the hill of Golgotha. It it was, not even that he was nailed to it, it It's the fact that he died on it. That's how his life became fruitful. And he asked a question, Hudson Taylor asked this question, do we know much fellowship with him in this, in the cross, in the dying to ourselves? There are not two Christ, I really love this point. There are not two Christ, an easygoing one for easygoing Christians and a suffering toiling one for exceptional believers, there's only one Christ. Are you willing to abide in him and thus bear much fruit? Death is still the gateway to life. And think about it. If we didn't really talk about much else tonight, there's not two different Christ. There's not the Christ that we see presented so often. Not only, but so often in our day for, for what we say the easygoing Christ for the easygoing Christian. They want to be this committed, which isn't very committed. Okay? and they want their life to be changed a little bit where they don't like things about their life, and I want Jesus to step in and change these things about my life and bless me and cause me to find favor and you know keep me from anything horrible. An easygoing Christ for an easygoing Christian, and then there's this really uh, exceptional Christ for exceptional, you know, for exceptional believers. There's one Jesus. There's one Jesus. One faith. One baptism. Right. One Holy Spirit, one one salvation, one faith that was once delivered to the saints. Uh, and, And it's only men that, and I will say because of our flesh and because of too much self still living, that tries to present to ourselves and to others, there's this alternate Jesus. And there's not. There's just the one of the scriptures. There's the one that's the eternal Son of God who's been the Son of God Forever and will be forever. I'm he that lived and was dead, and behold I'm alive forevermore. And he calls and he says, If anyone, not some of the special ones, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, that's the first thing. Take up his cross, which represents the death and daily dying, and follow me. That's the Christ that's presented, and that's the disciple of the Lord. That is God's design for a disciple of the Lord. And every believer is to be a disciple. There are not some believers that are be, to be disciples, and others are not. Male, female, young, or old, recently saved, and saved for 50 years. everyone that is called to come to Christ, to be born again, and we come by faith, hallelujah, he saves us by his grace, without any works on our part, we're all called to work and to follow him once we're in Christ, amen, to take up our cross and follow him. There was a woman... Who was a wonderful believer. She'd been saved for quite some time, and she picked up a book, and I'm to read some quotes from her, but she picked up a book and, and began to read it, and she saw clearly, oh, this is a book for what's known as the deeper life, and a lot of times people call it that. It was a book about the way of the cross, and it was basically what we've been talking about in this study. And she knew, she understood what the book was about, and she understood what it would mean for her life. She was already saved. She was born again. But she saw what it would mean to her life. And so she took the book, and first she said she flung it away and said, I don't want to be part of this thing. No, I'm not going to go that path. I'm not going to go that path. Uh, I know what it's going to cost. I'm going to lose all of my joy, all of my happiness that I have in Jesus to really take up this, this path of of." daily dying and walking with the Lord for a deeper life. But the next day, the Lord let her pick it up again and she picked it up and began to read again. The Lord began to whisper to her and says, if you want a deep life and you want unbroken communion with God, this is the way. This is the way. She thought, no, I'm not going to do it. She threw the book down again, put it away. The third day, she picked it up again and the Lord said, if you want fruit, this is the path. The Lord said to her, I'm not going to take your conscious joy and happiness away from you. But he said, you can have it just for yourself or you can have it really as a fruit of your life. Fruitfulness of your life. A real fruit that blesses other people and glorifies God. Instead of just a self-attainment that you have. And the Lord, she surrendered to the Lord. And she says, "Uh, I choose the path of fruitfulness. And that path was the path of the cross. So what we're talking about tonight is, and what we've been talking about this series, and I'm trying to stress it that it's not, it's not something that God wants to come and take everything joyful and suck all of the the vigor and joy out, out of your life. It's not that. And I think that's the way the devil tries to portray it a lot of times. Is that if you give your life to Jesus, you won't have a friend of the world to be miserable and so forth. And if, certainly if you go this deeper path to really be a disciple of Christ and die to yourself, you're going to have to give up so much. It's, it's just not worth it. You're going to be like a monk. You're going to be like this person that, that uh, is so uh, bizarre, has no joy. But I don't see that. Did you see that? I know we talked about this a few weeks ago. Is that the life we see in the scriptures of our Lord Jesus Christ? When he walked the streets of Jerusalem and Galilee and so forth. Uh, Josephus, is, I think it's Josephus, or one of the actual Jewish historians that lived at that time who was not a believer, spoke, he was a witness to the Lord. He saw the Lord. He said that his cheeks were rosy with laughter. He was he was not joyless. It was not a dead stale, let me suck every bit of it. And, and a lot of followers that follow the Lord. And, and they're going to beat themselves on the back, or they're going to crawl around on their knees, or they're going to crawl upstairs on their knees, and so forth, and think this is pleasing to God, or get a literal cross and drag it around on their bare backs with wounds on them That's not what He's called us to do. He has called us to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Him, and that wherever He leads us, we'll go. So if, you know, if I'm going to follow Jesus wherever He goes, I have to be detached. From the things that now hold me bound. He's saying, I'm going somewhere. Are you going to follow me? If you're following me, you have to let cut loose. You have to be detached, unensnared, if that's a word, from the from the things of this life. And that's what we're talking about. So don't let it creep into your mind. And, and this lady, uh, who was a wonderful Christian, already, she said, I choose this path. From that hour, she says, I understood and knew that it was dying, not doing, that produced spiritual fruit. The secret of the fruitful life in brief, is to pour out to others and want nothing for yourself. To leave yourself utterly in the hands of God and not care what happens to you. And and I would agree in the sense that, that he promises to take care of us. So we can sort of free fall for a better term, into the hands of God. Just free fall and say, Lord, I'm not being reckless, I'm not being careless. I'm doing what your word says. And the things that I've held back from you, you have you have shown me that I need to relinquish those to your Lordship. The whole thing's a question of the will and lordship. And when God gets it more fully our will Like Jesus in the garden, not as I will, but as thou will, right? When the Lord has us in that state then he's got us and and our our good shepherd can lead us and the potter can fashion the clay the way he wants. And he can lead us and we'll go. And he's already got us detached from things. And so if something falls by the wayside, that was part of my life. Before that, I thought I could never live without. And he shows you, you can live without it not only can you live without it, but look how much better life is over here without it. That's what he's trying to get us to. Not not to take all your joy and happiness or all your friends. You might lose some friends, but you're going to gain a whole lot more. We're going to gain a whole lot more in the Lord and all that he has for us. The the way to bear fruit, and, and Jesus said that in John 12 for a reason, that grain of wheat has to die. And then Goes under for a short time, comes up. Now, wow! Look at the light now. Pretty green, fresh sprout coming out. Then a full-grown stalk of wheat. Then fruit that's born on it. So much so that you can take the seeds off of that, make food out of it, of bread and so forth. You can take some and plant it. It's going to grow other, other, you know, stalks of wheat and so forth. It's not just poor little green that's dying. It's a death to, to be resurrected. Amen? And so look with me if you would. I know you know the passage. But John chapter 15. Verses, we'll just read verses 4 and 5 right now. John 15, 4 and 5. Jesus says this. Well, we first have to come to the Lord. He's talking about abiding here. We can't abide in Christ till we first come to Him. Right? Come unto me all that labor and heavy laden. Uh, whoever comes to him, he's not going to turn us, turn us out. We come to him in salvation by faith. We also abide in him by faith. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I am him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. We skip to verse 8. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. We're not have to stretch this to try to make it work to, to this doctrine of what we're talking about. This is the doctrine of what we're talking about. This is what the scripture says. We're disciples if we follow the Lord. If we follow the Lord, we bear much fruit. That's going to glorify God. Herein are you my disciples that you bear much fruit. Somebody that's not bearing much fruit, they're not following Christ. And in death and then resurrection and die to ourselves, then we're not going to bear much fruit. That's not a true disciple. You might be a convert. I can't judge your salvation at that point, nor, nor could we fully. But we can judge fruit, and we're told to judge fruit. And that's not being judgmental, by the way. That is what the scriptures say. You'll know them by their fruit. And so he tells us here we can't do anything without him. We're not going to bear fruit. Other than abiding in Him and Him abiding in us. That's it. That's the only way. And then he talks about being a disciple and bearing much fruit. Y'all, salvation is a one-time experience. I know that you know these things. You're not saved and then lost and then saved and then lost. I do believe people can backslide and they come back, but they're not getting saved again. They're repenting and coming back to Christ. All right? And salvation is a one-time experience, but discipleship is not. It's, it's a discipleship. It's your life. From the day you gave your life to Jesus, to the day he calls you or me on, as believers, that period of time, whether it's five minutes or 75 years, that is your period of being a dis- disciple or the, this discipleship period. And so that is ongoing. Ongoing is not weekly from Sunday to Sunday. It's daily. It's continually. It's constantly. It's constantly. It's an abiding, like Jesus said. It's simply abiding in Christ. And, and it's, it calls, if a, day, a daily walk, Jesus said that daily walk calls for daily dying. That's why we pick up our cross and follow the Lord. It's not that we die over and over and over again. It's that anything of ourself that's still alive, self that's still alive, okay, that's not Christ, will be manifest as we walk with Jesus. And when he manifests it to us or makes it known, Randy, this is still a lot of you here. Dealt with you five years ago about it. Did a great work, but there's more of it. that's coming out. This needs to be brought to the cross. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. That's your discipleship. That's my discipleship. I'm a soldier of the cross. That's what Paul says, you know, as a good soldier, endure hardness for the Lord Jesus Christ. A good soldier doesn't just train, basic training one time and then never has anything strenuous to do. They're going to still have to obey their superior officers daily. It might be a little different than it was the first two months, but it's still going to be, I'm still in the army, I'm still a soldier, I'm still have authority over me. I still have to keep duty and and courage and so forth and keep discipline these things. And so don't be discouraged by it. It's just the nature of the law. It's not a downer. It's it's life that comes out of all of this. So it's a daily thing. uh, Discipleship is a daily. And God's deliverance from self, the horrible self, Okay, It's not through making a resolution like a New Year's resolution. Have you ever tried it before? Not just say a New Year's resolution, but genuinely as a Christian said. You say, I swear something like this. I promise I will never do this again. I'll never watch that show again. I'll never, and you fill in the blank what it is. And we find ourselves perhaps doing it. Those kind of oaths and swearing are not then there's not power in that in and of itself. Do I think we need to resolve to serve God and to stand against sin in our life? Yes, I do. But the power is not in my resolving. The power is in my yielding and surrendering to the Lord in that thing and realizing that. It's not just I need to straighten up a little bit and try harder. I need to die. It's just proof that there's too much of me still living and if too much of me is still living, it's just coming out in this form, so to speak. It's coming out in this manner, in this sinful manner. Losing my temper. Lord, forgive me, I lose my temper. I hurt my witness for Christ. You ever lost your temper and hurt your witness for Christ? I have. And you can swear that you'll never do it again, but because of the flesh, we will do it again. We, we, need, we need the Lord to help us and strengthen us, and that's why it's daily, it can't be that I made some resolution five years ago because I really blew it royally. And and everybody knew I was a Christian and I preached this, this, and this and all the holiness, and they saw me do something or heard me say something so unchristlike. And yes, I was shamed and embarrassed. I'm making this up, but I'm sure I've done things like this. It's not that I resolved to never do it again. It's that I come to the Lord and say, God forgive me, but I have to daily be relying upon his strength or it will happen again we've talked about it. are there real victories yes there are real victories but it's still a daily supply of the grace of god of the spirit of god uh, we're growing we're maturing that cross becomes more real we don't hate it and despise it we're thankful for it because the only thing that's cutting off think about this the only thing the cross is cutting off from your life, from my life as a believer, is the flesh. I remember Clinton Clint did and said, the blood will deal with our sin, the blood of Jesus, but the cross deals with the flesh. And I believe that. The blood deals with the sin. It washes it away. But our flesh, in so many variable forms, has to be dealt with by the daily dying of the cross. It's a, If you want to look at it as a different way, I'm not even use the phrase cross it's a daily dying. It's a, it's a daily yielding. Not even daily. Moment, moment by moment yielding. In any moment you could say something that was ungodly. Or you could not say it. You understand what I'm saying? And there are things that push your buttons and my buttons that would cause us to do, say something. Act a certain way. And, and it's a moment by moment yielding to the will of another. That's what it is. And, the, and I will say this, the more you practice that, and the more you pray that, and the more you and I are aware of that, and we're growing up a little bit, this isn't just a bunch of uh, theories to us anymore, and we really start walking in this, the stronger we will get. There is real progress. Don't think that there's not. That would be discouraging. If we really laid hold on this, and after five years we didn't see any real progress. Well, there is real progress. There is real progress, but it still is a daily reliance upon the Lord. Amen? Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it's not a resolution. The, the real power comes by faith and trusting, or as it says in Romans 6.11, a reckoning. Likewise, also reckon yourselves indeed to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Likewise, reckon it to be so. That means by faith, believe it to be so. So it's not a resolution, it's a reckoning by faith. And so a lot of us, we want the deeper life, we want a deeper walk with the Lord, we resolve to never do something again, and we find ourselves doing it again. There's not another solution, it's going to become just this flesh. Yes, I need to repent. Yes, God forgives me. If, I, people have, if I've sinned publicly, I need to repent publicly to an extent and for Christ's sake and for the testimony of the Lord. But having said that, where does the real power come from to not do it tomorrow? The power is going to come to not do it tomorrow and die to myself, laying hold on the Lord. Amen. And so there needs to be an inner crucifixion. And can I tell you this? This is why a resolution doesn't work in and of itself. Uh, self cannot crucify self. Self cannot crucify self. We need, we need the Lord to do it. The Bible says that by the Spirit, if you do by the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body, you'll live. So by the Holy Ghost, and this to me would be a picture of the cross, mortify means put to death. What? The deeds of the body. It's dealing with the flesh in the workings of the flesh, in the will of the flesh, and so forth. So, uh, uh, willpower, we need the will to do His will, but the power is not going to come from my willpower, it's going to come from Christ. It's, it's just evident that there's too much in me. So there's there's the cross, this is kind of our theme for tonight, there's the cross that's a once and for all cross. When, when you gave your life to Jesus and knelt down Pray pray the sinner's prayer basically with somebody who is leading you to Jesus. That's a once and for all cross. And then there is a daily cross. Not necessarily two different crosses, but there's the daily cross where I don't have to go back there and be born again. Again, I'm born again. But I do need a, a whole lot of the working of the cross in my life. So there'll be less of me and and more of Christ in me. That's the daily or the continual cross. Uh, In Luke 9, 23 specifically, it says this. I'll just read it. If anyone, Jesus said, desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. It doesn't say this in Matthew. But in Luke, it says, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He said, that's how it's going to be. disciple of the Lord has to take up his cross daily and follow the Lord. So we're followers of the crucified one and we surrender to him once and for all. That has to be. We have to have that once and for all surrender where I give my life to Christ and then we surrender to him moment by moment. You know what I'm talking about? We surrender to the Lord moment by moment. Every time I said there's a discrepancy my will or God's will? My will or God's will? Right now, in this thing, in this moment, in this circumstance, my will or God's will. Those will never stop as long as we're in, the, in this life and in this body. But we can have real progress by yielding to the Lord. That's the daily cross. It's not just an attainment, so to speak. Salvation, you could say, is more of an attainment. Where, but but the, the daily work of the cross is more of a path. I know mean, Chris thought. Sunday school about the two paths, about the narrow way, the straight gate, the narrow way, and then the broad gate and the, the broad way. And it's a way. It's a way. And we enter in through the gate, which is Christ, the straight gate, and then we walk it out. Right? And then if we stay on that path and walk with the Lord, the, the end results already determined for us. God's determined, you enter it by me, you, you, you'll be saved, I'm the Good Shepherd. And so, but there's still the walking it out, however long our salvation is. Paul said this, not as though I had already attained. Now this was well into Paul's safe life, Philippians 3.12. He had been saved a long time, baptized in the Holy Ghost, an, an apostle to the Gentiles, Probably used more greatly than any single one man. I mean, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, that's me saying that, but uh, greatest missionary probably that ever lived. And, and late in his life, he says, Not as though I had already attained. So, what was he lacking? It was just Christ's likeness. It was more done into himself, it was more life of the Lord working in his life. And so, what, what would that be? What is it going to be? What does the daily cross look like? It looks like this. One, one Christian uh, minister said, whatever gives occasion of a deeper test to our self-surrender, whatever exposes the old man and in his purposes and plans, that's what the daily cross is going to be. Whatever exposes that, brings it to the forefront. Every new occasion... I'm, I'm quoting from an author here. Every new occasion, fresh test, difficult, difficult circumstances all bring us up against the question of the will of God or the will of self. This is something that I, I would not at all claim to be uh, perfected in, but this is something, something that the Lord has clearly shown me. The will. If God can get the will that prodigal son, he wanted what he wanted, right? Father, give me my inheritance now. He took it, went to a foreign country, spent it all on his living. That's what he wanted, and I want it now. But he came to himself, and he came under the will of another. He still was his will. His will had to be changed. He could have, he could have starved to death and stayed there in his stubbornness, in his, Keeping his will. I'm going to make it out here without my dad somehow. I don't need to go begging back home. The will had to be broken, so to speak. It had to be broken and then brought under the will of another. That prodigal had to say, now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back home. Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer fit to be called your son. Just take me back as one of your servants. Before you get the words out of his mouth, his father's already forgiven him and saying, no, I won't hear any more talk like this. We're going to have a celebration. My son has gone his home. What, what happened? The man's will had to be broken. It had to be broken and had to be brought under the will of another. I've sinned against God. He understood it. And then he knew what he had to do. And He didn't just know what he had to do. He did it. Because his will was to do it now. Before his will was to go take his money, go blow it on himself. Now his will is to go in repentance and humility. He had it better off in the end, didn't he? Mm. Without question, he had it better off in the end. And so it is always a question of will. So whatever whatever uh, comes into our lives that, that brings about a decision like that, it could be a small one. Okay? But each one we're going to find myself is still strong here and the cross wants to show you that yourself is still strong there and bring it to death if we'll let the Lord work in us. If we'll let the Lord work in us. And so these are going to be instructions primarily or teachings from the Lord to deal with our will. One, one minister said, Some small trifle of daily routine. What does it look like? What does a daily cross look like in reality? Some small trifle daily routine that irks you, basically. A crossing of personal preference in very little things. I really wish they had done this. I really wish we had picked the navy blue chairs instead of the great ones. I'm not gonna say anything. You know what I'm saying? It's just uh, little things, a lot of times. It's little things. An accumulation of duties that are piling up on you. You had that. You know, you check something off your list, and four things are added. I have a checklist in my calendar. I literally check them off when, when I'm getting them done in the day. Study, you know, study, study. Uh, a lot of whatever it is, I'm checking these things off, and we could have unexpected interruptions. You're about through. You almost finished everything, and boom, something's dumped upon you. And you already in your mind had your plans of what you're going to do, how you're going to relax. And and we're an unwelcome distraction or an interruption. You know, instead of throwing a fit, now I'm preaching totally to myself. Y'all are already perfecting this. This is me. Instead of having a fit about it, well, I'm not saying my God is a little bigger than I'm making him right now. He must have allowed this to happen. And if my God allowed this to happen, he wants to turn for his glory. And I'm not glorifying God at all in my attitude. I can't tell you how many of those situations I have blown. I've blown it. I didn't reap the fruit or the benefit of what God was trying to teach me. Maybe that's why it's Happened so many times to my life, but every one of those things, and you could add a, a thousand others. Those are opportunities to die, if I'll let it be that, or it can just be an inconvenience, a bother. Okay, and it, we need to let the Lord do it. And I'll say this, and this is an important point too. We can't just resign to it. In other words, like guess. I guess this is just how it's going to be. Dying to ourselves, going to be miserable and resign to it like that. There needs to be faith and a joyful submission. There needs to be a joy. If I'm really going to benefit and be fruitful, which glorifies God and is the mark of a disciple, a true disciple of Christ, there needs to be, even though I might not like the circumstance, a rejoicing in my resignation to do the will of God. Does that make sense? Not just, God, you won, you beat me into submission. And I I don't have a choice, so I just gotta submit to you. This sickness is in my body, I don't have a choice about it. I guess I'll just resign to it. That's not what he's after. He's after like what came with Job, though he slayed me, yet will I trust him. I'm gonna trust my God. I'm gonna rejoice in my God. You, You can't, Satan, you can't take away my joy. Of the Lord, this circumstance is not going to take away joy my Lord of uh, my Lord. this if this circumstance is more permanent and lasting and unpleasant, it can't take away my joy from the Lord. It's a joyful resignation. I would rather be like David said, a doorkeeper in the house of the God, uh, my Lord than, than be uh, dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd rather just be that door guy that opens the front door for everybody coming in and out. And as a nobody, and be with God, then then be like the rich out there. What am I saying? That there has to be a resignation, but a joyful that is important to the Lord. We talk about giving; the Lord loves a cheerful giver. A lot of us can be cursed if I don't give ten percent. I really want to spend this money on something else. I am gonna, you know, but I, want, I want to avoid the curse at all costs, and you know, don't want to rob God because I know there'll be bad consequences for that. But the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He loves it when we come and say, thank you, Lord, you blessed me with all this, I'm giving you're just requiring a small portion of it back. And you are gonna bless me for doing this. But I'm also blessed by being able to give to the work of God, or the house of God, or the church of God, or missions, or whatever it may be. You understand the difference? There's a big difference in that. And so we're talking about God captivating our will, and bring it under uh, His Lordship, it, it's not just uh, some grip your teeth and bear it. And I'll probably just close with this thought, but uh, you know, have you ever heard the, the, the saying, just Just suck it up? You know, if you play sports, you know, you got, you got a little tweak in your ankle and your knee, and the coach may say, just suck it up. Just suck it up. Uh, you, you're running in two days in August, and you're over there throwing up on the side, And he says, suck it up. Come on, get back out here. Uh, And we learn to sometimes just suck it up. We learn to just take one on the chin, so to speak. But the Lord doesn't want us to just suck it up. He wants us to be a partaker of what's going on there. I'm not just doing it because Coach said so and I hate it. I'm doing it because I realize my eyes have been opened. This is the way to prosperity. This is the way that, that is a fruitful life. This is the way and the path to joy in life, dying to myself. Don't hate dying to yourself. Embrace dying to yourself because that gives more room, so to speak, or place for Christ to live in you more fully. What what kind of what kind of uh, life does your flesh bring to you? When you walk it out and fulfill the, the wills and desires of your flesh, it's always going to be something sinful, shameful, harmful doesn't profit anything in the long run. Uh, it, it hurts. It, it, it's gonna, it may be a cumulative effect after a while, but there's nothing beneficial that comes from it. what, Paul said this in Romans, what fruit had you in those things that you're now ashamed of? He's being a little what, what fruit did you have in that living in sin and living and in indulging in the flesh? You're ashamed of those things now. Nothing really good came from that. I'm ashamed of plenty of things I did. Praise God in some of the blood and washed away. Amen? But there is no real fruit in that. For the 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 fruit of those things is death, he says. So why would I be resisting the Lord when he's wanting me to die more to myself? You need to go to the word of God. You need to see it like he sees it, like we read in John 14, right? Abide in me. You're not going to be fruitful except you're abiding me. You're straying off from me. You're going off and doing your own thing over there. You're not abiding me. You're not going to have fruit in that. It's not going to glorify me, but it also it's not going to be fruitful life. Not fruitful in all the blessed life that he has for us. And so I just feel like I'm supposed to stop here tonight. If he, you come on up and, and close with that, that thought and I'm actually going to close with one scripture. Throw with me your Bibles. And we'll close with this and the altar will be open. Romans chapter 8. Some of you may have memorized this scripture. It's a wonderful scripture. A wonderful thought. A wonderful truth. Romans 8.28 So those things. Talking about the, the inconvenience. You know. All of a sudden you got this inconvenience or this bother to your schedule or to your life. And we roll our eyes and say, I guess i have just got to go through it. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for good. It's important to know that, right? We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, that's his children, that's believers, to them who are the called according to his purposes. That's every believer. Every believer is called according to the purpose of God. And so in the life of every believer, all things that God allows in your life, all things, your sickness, you're getting laid off a job, a sickness reoccurring that you thought you prayed for and it went away and now it's back. Everything, that inconvenience, that bother to your schedule, maybe it's a routine bother to your schedule, Whatever it is, if I'm walking with the Lord in the will of God, not out like the prodigal son in rebellion, then all things work together for good. I can rest in that. It's just in that simple thought is a lot of rest. So if it's happening to me, at least I can say, like I said, Lord, if, if this has happened to me, you must have let it happen to me. If you let it happen to me, you're letting it happen to me for a reason. Quickly. Show me what it is. Quickly, let me resign to your will in this and obey you and submit to you and yield to you. He wants to pry me loose from a little bit more this night of the Lord. He wants to bring by the cross a little bit more death to me and a whole lot more of his life being lived in through our lives. Amen. Father, we come before you tonight in Jesus' name. Oh God, these, these lessons are so... Uh, Simple, and yet we need to hear that we need to hear it time and time again. We need to be reminded that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it's going to bear much fruit. We need to be told time and time again that our will has to be surrendered joyfully and uh, joyfully by faith to your will, God, and not to resist the working of the Holy Ghost in our lives, Lord. You're working those things for good they don't seem like good they seem like a, a pain or attack and yet if it's from our, the hand of our father just like Paul with the thorn in his flesh he began to rejoice in the thorn in his flesh because he saw the greater work and of grace in his life father we pray that we would be that people or teachers help us not to be forgetful forgetful hearers but doers of the work Help us to not just see there was a one-time cross where we gave our life to Christ, but there's also a daily cross, and it's in every moment, in every moment where it can be our will or your will. God, we're saying tonight, we want to do your will. We resolve to do that, but then, Lord, the strength to do it is going to come by your grace, and by the Holy Ghost, day by day. Help us. Make us a people that truly abides in Christ continually. Jesus.